I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 85 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about Cosmo's BS article about the Constitution. So the confirmation hearings for Supreme Court Justice nominee Neil Gorsuch have reignited the debate on how we should interpret the Constitution because, so it's said, Gorsuch is an originalist, which is, ooh, scary. You know, it's got the progressives all freaking out because, of course, they want a living, breathing Constitution. Now, Gorsuch isn't an originalist, but I'll get to that in a minute. This whole idea of a living, breathing constitution is absolutely absurd. The constitution is basically a contract. You don't have living, breathing contracts. You don't let one party of the contract reinterpret it as you go. It's it's like letting the bank reinterpret your mortgage, you know, a living, breathing mortgage. Nobody would accept that. And the idea of a living, breathing constitution is just as absurd. In fact, the Revolutionary War was fought to free the colonies from this concept of a living, breathing constitution. Under the British system, the parliament was sovereign. The constitution was what the parliament said it was. Well, the Americans weren't really down with this. They did not appreciate parliament reinterpreting their rights and rewriting the constitution on a whim. So they went to war to free themselves from that kind of system, and they based their government on a written constitution, a constitution that was not subject to change by the whims of politicians. The progressives of today completely reject that. They want to go back to the British system that we fought to get rid of. They want the Supreme Court to basically say what the constitution is. So just substitute Supreme Court for parliament and you have the old English system. So This idea of a living, breathing constitution is antithetical to American founding principles. But we're hearing a lot about it. We're hearing all these people talking about, we need a living, breathing constitution. I think Dianne Feinstein was flapping her yap about it. But the article that takes the cake was in Cosmopolitan magazine. Yes, Cosmo decided it wanted to wade into the debate on constitutional interpretation. The headline for this article is Nine Reasons Constitutional Originalism is Bullshit. And I think it would be more aptly named Nine Reasons Why Cosmo Should Stick to Talking About the Best Ways to Have Orgasms, because 
These people know absolutely nothing about the Constitution, or in particular, the writer of this article, whose name is Jill, uh, I think it's Filipovic, who uh, she says that uh, she's a lawyer and an author of the H-Spot, the Feminist Pursuit of Happiness. So uh, the lawyer thing, you know, in some ways, when you when you read this article, you think there's no way this woman ever studied law. But then again, it also demonstrates the fact that most lawyers are what I call JD impaired. Uh, they don't know anything about the Constitution. They're not taught the Constitution. They're taught Supreme Court precedents, but they think they know about the Constitution. So their their law degree actually impairs them from understanding true constitutional interpretation. So Jill recycles this whole living, breathing Constitution garbage, but she does it in a way that's even more absurd than your normal progressive ranting about the Constitution. I'm just going to go through her nine points pretty quickly and kind of give you an idea of just how stupid this is. So first, Jill says no one is really an originalist. And, you know, that's actually true. Like I said, I don't think Gorsuch is an originalist. He's really more of a textualist. Uh, He relies on the text of the Constitution, not on the original meaning as explained by the ratifying conventions. And that's really where you find the true meaning of the Constitution. Then she goes on, uh, and this this ridiculous uh, example, trying to use the Second Amendment. She writes, Until recently, judges generally interpreted the Second Amendment according to the same narrow interpretation many historians say the founders held, as evidenced by the text itself, that the Second Amendment doesn't give individuals the right to bear arms, but rather provides for the right of a well-regulated militia to exist. There's also significant historical evidence that the framers didn't intend to protect individual right to bear arms when the Constitution was being created. Okay, this is bullshit. I'll link to a couple of articles in the show notes page that get into the founding, what the founding generation said about the right to keep and bear arms. When you read what they actually said, it's absolutely clear they intended to protect an individual right to keep and bear arms. So this whole Second Amendment tripe that she trots out, it doesn't even it doesn't hold up to even the most basic historical scrutiny. And what is she talking about? Mo- many historians had this narrow inter- many historians don't have this narrow interpretation if they've actually read what the founders said. So anyway, moving on to number two, Jill says, societies evolve and our laws should reflect that evolution. Well, yeah, that's true. Laws do evolve. Societies evolve. All of this evolves. And the founders understood this too. That's why they created an amendment process. You see, the amendment process allows us to change the Constitution when our society evolves and it becomes necessary to make those changes. They never intended for the Supreme Court or the whims of Dianne Feinstein to redefine the Constitution. There is a process. That process should be followed. So number two really doesn't have anything to do with anything because the Constitution provides for the evolution of society. Moving on to number three, Jill asserts that words evolve to reflect changing norms. In other words, we're supposed to reinterpret the Constitution based on the change of definitions. Well, Jill, James Madison, the father of the Constitution, disagrees with that. 
He wrote, I entirely concur in the propriety of resorting to the sense in which the Constitution was accepted and ratified by the nation. In that sense alone, it is the legitimate Constitution. And if that be not the guide in expounding it, there can be no security for a constant and stable government more than for a faithful exercise of its power. If the meaning of the text be sought in the changeable meaning of the words composing it, it is evident that the shape and attributes of the government must partake of the changes to which words and phrases of all living languages are constantly subject. What a metamorphosis would be produced in the code of law if all its ancient phraseology were to be taken in its modern sense. So James Madison calls bullshit on number three. Number four, technology evolves. Yes, technology evolves just like law evolves. And again, we have the amendment process. For number five, Jill blows the racist dog whistle and says originalism is a cover for legal discrimination. I'm not even getting into that. It doesn't warrant comment. Number six, not even the founders were originalists. She says, the framers of the Constitution didn't offer any instructions for how to interpret the document. Well, I just read a big long instruction by the father of the Constitution. Or if you prefer... How about Thomas Jefferson, who granted wasn't a framer, but he was certainly an influential thinker in the founding generation. He wrote, on every question of construction, let us carry ourselves back to the time when the Constitution was adopted, recollect the spirit manifested in the debates, and instead of trying what meaning may be squeezed out of the text or intended against it, conform to the probable one in which it was passed. In other words, Jefferson was an originalist. Of course, Jill says not even the founders were originalists, so, you know, she's dumb. Anyway, number seven, she said, we couldn't foresee every legal issue. Uh, Yeah, so? She goes on and says, if you're a strict originalist, then it follows that if the founders didn't specifically bar the government from doing something, the government is free to do it. No, constitutional construction is the exact opposite. And they said so over and over again during the ratification debates. If you're a strict originalist, you understand that the federal government was delegated a few specific enumerated powers, and it is not allowed constitutionally to take any action outside of those delegated powers. So she's flipped the originalist understanding of federal authority on its head and said something that's completely absurd to any actual originalist. Of course, in Jill's mind, actual originalists don't exist. Number eight, she says, no one really wants to live in an originalist country. Well, Jill, maybe if you got out of your little leftist circles, you would know some people who wanted to live in a country where the federal government remained constrained to its delegated powers. This all brings us to number nine. A constitution that doesn't reflect changing norms and realities is a constitution that would eventually prove itself ineffectual and irrelevant. And again, we have the amendment process. So there you have it. Cosmo's Guide to the Living, Breathing Constitution. It's pretty absurd, isn't it? I've said over and over again, living and breathing is dead. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10th And if you haven't done it already, head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast for free. 
Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week.